Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. My seed for you is a love story, a passionate love story with you as the object of raging affection, a tale in which the one who loves you will stop at nothing to catch your attention, capture your heart, and then fulfill your greatest desire. It is a tale, as they say, as old as time, older, in fact, yet as fresh as this morning's do wherever they're having do this morning. Now, the nature of this love cannot truly be fully explained by human words because they're too small. It surpasses them. It is a deep yearning, a ravenous hunger, a longing thirst to know you and be known by you. It is the furthest thing from cliche, from ordinary, from what you expect and take for granted. It far surpasses the greatest romance, the noblest chivalry, the most selfless devotion of the best of parents. There is only one who can love with such intensity, only one who spans the course of time and space itself to pursue you with this love, only one who is poised to revel in unrivaled celebration the moment you return the merest fraction the love that's been poured out on you. This one, 
It's he who made you, who knew your name before it crossed your parents' minds. He was there to give you your first breath and has been there for all that followed. Your life, your abilities, your opportunities are all his gifts to you. But that's just the beginning of what he's given you. Mark, the beginning of your love story starts before your great-grandparents were born. We've heard about the Big Bang. Well, your love story starts before that. Because before there was matter, you mattered God. Before there was a cosmos, there was a being of ultimate power and perfection who so wanted to pour his love out on you that he set the universe in motion. So you'd be sitting right here, right now, thinking of him. In order to pursue you with this love, Jim, God combined his power and, and imagination to fashion a world of wonders from the microscopic to the massive, from the tiny ant to the mighty whale, from, from atoms and protons to galaxies upon galaxies upon galaxies. But he, fa he saved his greatest work, his crowning achievement for last. You, an intricate, elegant, complex, uniquely irreplaceable mix of chemistry, biology, and eternity. You see, because he breathed his life into you, you are eternal, just as he is, whether you think so or not. And he has been pursuing you ever since he gave you that first breath, wanting nothing more or less than for you to let him love you as he so deeply desires. The trouble, oh, there's trouble. The trouble is we humans have never quite figured out how good we've had it. We keep insisting we know better than God what will really make us happy, and every time we do things our way instead of his, it comes back to bite us in the consequences. Now, the biggest consequence, of course, is that we are separated from him. He is perfect, and we are so not. And we had to be perfect to be with him again, and we were never going to get there, and so... God had to do it. He had to come to us to make things right. And so in the greatest act of love ever, Adonai Elohim El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the Lord of hosts himself, oh, became a, a tiny baby who grew to be a boy, and then a man, and then a Savior. That Savior's name is Jesus. His coming was foretold in ancient Hebrew scripture, the tell of a Messiah who will come and restore humanity's relationship with God. This Messiah, Christ in Greek, would bring us to an entirely new level of relationship with God and a transforming experience of his love. This is exactly what Jesus Christ is hoping you will let him do for you. What he's already done for you starts with the part where he shrank from being infinite to being mortal. But then as he walked out that mortal life, 
with every step he took and every decision he made, he built his great treasure for you to possess, his righteousness. You see, Jesus never made a mistake. He never sinned in God's eyes. No, not once. One day at a time, one choice, one decision at a time. Jesus lived the perfect life that you and I are incapable of and then makes it possible to transfer his perfect righteousness onto you, allowing you to be back in relationship with the perfect God. Do you think he loves you? Right. So how Jesus lived is part of his gift for, to you. How he died is another part of that gift. Now, we're all familiar with the concepts of crime, justice, punishment, and all of that from all kinds of things for years. Television drama, law and order, NCI, CSI, how many of those does one universe need? But then we had all the comic book movies and the good versus evil, and we get it. Crime must be punished. Justice must be done. Thanos must be stopped. The harm that's been done to others must be atoned for somehow. The ultimate atonement, the ultimate punishment is, of course, the death penalty. And put, actually, crudely, this is what the cross of Jesus Christ is for you. The ultimate atonement for all your mistakes. All your sins, every one of them, all the sins of all humanity, of all time, are piled upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. As the infinite God made flesh becomes the infinite sacrifice for his beloved people. And he atones for them all as justice is served. And he dies upon the cross. Do you think he loves you? Amen, sister. So, Max, where are we in your love story right now? All of your sins have just been washed away. All of them. Even the ones that haven't crossed your mind yet. That'll blow your mind when you think about it. You also possess a righteous scorecard indicating perfection. 100% in every single category. Way to go. There's just one thing left. We'll call it a minor detail. A consequence to our sin we haven't dealt with. You see, we're dead. Well, not yet. At least I hope not. Everybody check your neighbor. He's just asleep back there, right? <laughs> not today, but someday... Someday, you're going to be pushing up daisies, pal, just like me. Or we'll be in a beautiful ceramic urn on the fireplace mantle. Does anybody remember Meet the Parents? Yeah, that's it. I mean, the point is, we are toast. We are compost. We are fertilizer. But you know what that is? Carolyn, that's a minor detail. Because another gift... You have coming your way through the love of Jesus Christ. It's life. Life that begins early one morning in a darkened tomb just west of Jerusalem. 
Life that courses through veins that have been emptied of blood and lain dormant for days. Life that bursts the chains of sin and death. Life that resurrects in power and light. Life that reaches across the ages into your life right here, right now. Do you think he loves you? Amen. Because Jesus Christ and his resurrection have transformed death from a terrible fate to be feared into a minor detail. It's an annoying nuisance you have to go through to get to the good stuff on the other side. It's like deciding to go to a fish fry on Friday, right? And there's so many places you choose Parnells, and it's mobbed. There's such a line, and you are starving, so it is torture. You can smell all that fried goodness, and it hurts. But finally, you get in, you get your table, and you get your plate, and you take that first bite of that crunchy hot goodness. Oh, but heaven is so much better than a fish fry. You want to write that down? <laughs> there's, there's so much. There's so much to the story that we don't have time for. The part where when you belong to Jesus, he puts part of himself in you forever. The Holy Spirit. The part where you find other people who have discovered this incredible love in their lives and they become more than friends, they're more than family. The church. The part where you, that thing that really used to get to you, you, you know, it kind of doesn't anymore because now you have an eternal perspective. The easiest way to describe what Jesus Christ wants for everyone in this room is to say that he is standing at an altar. It is not an altar of sacrifice any longer. He has done that. He said on the cross, it is finished once for all. No, it's the altar, come along with me, where he wants to marry you. Where instead of a ring, he will give you his righteousness, his ransoming sacrifice, and his resurrection. The altar where he will stand and pledge to be faithful to you for as long as he lives. And my friends, that's forever. The altar where he longs for you to pledge your life and heart to him for as long as you live. So that you can be together with him past the end of time. And right here, right now, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, and in good times and in bad. Do you think? Do you think he loves you? Because that's the word I have for you this morning. That's the seed of love, I hope, is being planted deep in our hearts again. The seed of God's amazing love that will shatter the darkness and heal the brokenness in every life it touches. Love that raises from their ordinary lives a people that delight and thrive in the light and love of God's only Son. Yet even as I sow this wondrous seed, I know it's meeting with mixed reception. Not because of the quality of the seed or of this humble sower, truly, but because of the hearts it falls upon. Now, when the master sower, the bridegroom, I'm just going to mix my metaphors all morning, 
When the master sower was sowing seed in his ministry, from the very beginning, he met with mixed reception, with enthusiasm, and meh, indifference, and hostility. His sowing made some people want to follow him and give their lives for him, and made others want to destroy him and take his life from him. They heard the same words, but their hearts were made of different soil. Now, some hard soil is like the hard soil along a path. It must have been soft earth at some point, but it has long been hardened by the incessant steps of humanity upon it. It is far from the softer soil that might temper its unyielding nature. It's out of range of the farmer's plow now, which could make it ready to receive the seed. And so when the seed falls on this hard path, which will happen from time to time, it can't penetrate the thick barrier of its hard surface. And the birds just come, snatch it away. Now, these are hardened hearts, and there are hearts like this around most of us every day. There may even be one or two here. That's unlikely. Not that we're any better than someone with a heart like this. We're simply of no use to them right now because their hearts have been hardened by any number of things. Pride, and the prideful certainty that I know everything I need to know already. Or, or other things, the tragic loss of a loved one, the devastation of broken dreams or relationships, or the hard shell that will form on any heart when the downward spiral of sin reaches its natural and consequential end. But there is another aspect to this hardened soil, an aspect of grave danger to our story, because we find ourselves not only in this epic love story, but in an epic battle, a war, in fact, between good and evil. And the evil one, our lover's enemy, wants nothing more than to keep the seed from, from taking root. He will do all within his power to prevent a soul from standing at the altar with the bridegroom. And so because this hardened soil is far from the softer soil and the farmer's plow, the accuser, known as Satan, has easy access to this soul and makes sure that any seed that reaches that, that heart bears no fruit and has no chance. The seed and all the love it buries, uh, all the love it bears is dismissed as foolishness, snatched away. But there are other types of soil. Another heart soil could be called rocky soil. A seed sown in rocky soil will spring up quickly because there's no depth to the soil. But when the sun gets hot, the young plant is scorched. And because time isn't taken to build a root system, withers and dies. And there may be hearts of this type in this room. These are the hearts that respond joyfully and immediately to the love story, even with impressive initial growth. But because time isn't taken to clear the rocks and put down deep roots, when trouble and persecution come, and they will, into the, the life of this enthusiastic but unstable young lover, they fall away. 
And there may be hearts like that in this room. And I would urge caution to take time. My friends, as you consider things, remove the obstacles. Look deeply into the love story and discern the level of commitment we're called to at the altar with the bridegroom. Remember, when you step into that relationship with him, you also step into a frame of reference, frame of reference that is radically different from the worlds around us. So much so that they consider Jesus either foolish or are sometimes hostile towards him, just as they were hostile towards the bridegroom himself. Don't get me wrong. Giving your life to Jesus is the most important thing you will ever do. It is more important than what career you choose or whether or whom you marry, what car you drive, whether you walk on the moon or Mars. None of that is nearly as important as whether you give your life to Jesus. But like any marriage, it's not something to be done on a whim or lightly or because someone else thinks you should. No, I say in every wedding I perform, step into this covenant reverently, intentionally, and joyfully in accordance with all the wonderful purposes God has brought together in this covenant. A third type of soil is filled with thorns. And although it presents and has far more potential than the rocky soil, it also is of no use to the farmer. You see, the thorns compete with the seed in this soil, a competition that, that chokes most of the life out of the seed, so that although it survives, it bears no fruit. And let me tell you, every farmer is working for, looking for, fruit. Now, these are the hearts that, that hear the love story, and they step to the altar with the bridegroom. But then the cares of the world lure of wealth and a desire for things come and choke the life out of them. They have a divided loyalty. They try to serve the Lord, but are choked away by worldly values instead. In spite of all the love that's lavished on them, they share the love story with no one and barely survive themselves. This is self-centered soil, and the greatest danger for us in this room who are in the world, but are to be of the world no longer. This soil can be found anywhere, in the wealthiest mansions and the poorest trailer parks and everywhere in between, in times of great abundance, in times of dire recession. As our witness, our fruit-bearing is choked into oblivion by the cares of the world lure of wealth and the desire for things. For spending our lives pursuing the success the world defines as success by spending our lives trying to get the things the world tells us we need. My friends, look inside your lives right now. The only thing in your life right now that will last past the end of time, past your final breath, is your relationship with God, not your, not your physical achievements or your washboard abs, not that that's my struggle, 
Not your beautifully decorated home, not your summer cottage or the boat or the Harley, not the incredibly successful career, not the Green Bay Packers. I'm sorry. Not that there's anything wrong with those things, but when they become your obsession, when they become your religion, they are choking the life out of you. My friends, our time on earth is limited. How is that time best spent? Achieving more? Acquiring more? No, it's best spent in helping others that we love around us in their only lasting possession, their relationship with God, our friends, our family, because that relationship is all that's going to be there in not too very long for all of us. Which brings us to our final soil, the good soil that brings forth grain from the seed planted within, where growth is continual and the harvest is plentiful, 30, 60, 100-fold. These are the hearts that hear the love story and they base their lives upon it. They stand at the altar and commit themselves to the bridegroom. They walk in his ways. They share his story of love with everyone who will listen. Like everyone in this room, each of them have individual specific gifts and opportunities like no one else. And in their faithfulness, they bring forth fruit only they can produce. Now, I know there are hearts like this in this room as well, though much, most of them would flinch at the thought of helping 30 people to the altar with the bridegroom, much less 100. But think of it this way, my friends. One person who, and let's, let's be generous here, make it kind of easy. One person has 10 years who, by the grace of God, helps three people into a saving relationship with Jesus. One, three, in 10. If those other three do the same thing with three more people, that first person will have been instrumental in 40 eternities in less than a generation. One person, one conversation, one seed at a time. Now, these seeds can all be sown wherever words are used. You can use snail mail. You can use email. You can certainly use social media. If you're 40 or over, you can use Facebook. If you're in the younger crowd, you've got TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and, and Snapchat. Not, it's Snapchat, not chit-chat. Where is it? Throw in a Bluetooth device, and you've got hands-free sewing. But the best sewing is done in face-to-face -face conversation with your loved one, because they can see in your eyes how much you matter to them, and how much they matter to you. And they can see in your lives, in your eyes, how true all of this is. Now, some of those seeds are going to fall on the path or in the thorns or the rocks. There will always be bad soil, but there will always be good soil. Now, I can't reach into somebody's heart and change what kind of soil is in there. 
Only God can do that. That's not my job. Likewise, I can't look into a person's heart and accurately see what flavor soil is in there. That also is not my job. I am not called to make such judgments. I am called to sow, to fall in love with the bridegroom, to commit my life to him at the altar, and then to sow. This is not good news. This is great news. To sow this great news, to tell the amazing story of his wonderful love to everyone I know, including me. We are all sowers and we are all soil at the same time. And the soil of our hearts need to be tended. The seed has been planted. If you're awake, the seed has been planted in your heart again this morning. Look at it. Can you see it in there? Are there rocks? Are there some thorns? Take care, my friends. Care for the soil of your heart every day. Or, or have you not been to the altar with the bridegroom? I tell you once again, there is nothing more important you will ever do. If you're a guest of someone here at Oak Haven, just ask them to tell you more about their journey. But have you been to the altar, and frankly, is it time to renew your vows, to renew your commitment to the bridegroom, or to renew your commitment to share this amazing love story and not keep it to yourself anymore? To that end, uh, we've prepared a couple reminders. Um, I'm going to put here on the table, uh, I call them little love notes. And these are, I guess they're flyers, that discuss the love story and the terms we've been using today. So I'm going to put them here. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you, you don't have to, I'm going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to come forward in a physical articulation of your commitment to the bridegroom, of your commitment to telling his story, as we sing a song in just a moment. But I have, I have something else. It's not up my sleeve, but it's in my bag. I have something else, and it looks kind of clunky, but I wanted to make sure it made it home with you. Okay. Inside each of these little snack bags is a seed. So come and take one, two, three, four of these, share them with others, but take this home and put it on your bookshelf or your dresser or the, the windowsill in front of your sink and see this seed and remember every time you see it's two things. I need to tend my heart soil. I need to sow the seed. God loves me enough that he's given me both of those privileges. And then, circle May 1st on your calendar. May 1st, plant this baby in good soil and do all it takes to take care of it because that's how parables work. There will be meaning in everything you do. Make sure you put it like a little cage over it or the deer will eat whatever comes up. So there's a parable right there. We'll schedule that as next week's sermon, okay? But... On May the 1st, take it out, plant it, take care of it, and see what happens. See the fruit that it bears as an example, as a parable, for how Jesus will use our sowing the seed in other people's lives.
Now, most importantly, so I'm going to open this up and just hold it open so that you can just take one out. And uh, once I say, if you heard me say it, please, please don't eat it. These are fertile and ready to grow. Most importantly, whether you come up and take these things or not, start a conversation this week. Start a conversation about this amazing love in your lives. And it'll be easy the first time you see people this week because you can just, in answer to their question, how was your weekend? I give you permission to say anything you want about me. There was this weird guy. He looked like Santa Claus. I don't know who he thought he was. He was handing out sunflower seeds. Whatever. I don't, I don't care. I found that once a conversation is started, it's easy to talk about Jesus if you belong to him. It's those first sentences that are hard. So say whatever you like, and I will pray for him to bless those conversations. Now, if you are just starting or you're early on your journey with Jesus Christ, listen to me. Please do not go home and forget all of this. At least grab one of these off the shelf downstairs and think about this and explore it because I tell you, you are in for the time of your life. And hear this, every one of us, there is nothing, there is nowhere, there, there is nowhere we could have gone, there is nothing we could have done that Jesus will not welcome us home from, just like we, we talked about in class. Nothing you have done, no place you have gone will ever make God stop loving you. He is crazy, head over heels, in love with you. He can't wait to wrap his arms around you when you come home. Let's pray. Lord, we are so grateful to you for this amazing story of your amazing love, how much you've poured yourself out for us. We pray your blessing on each of us in our walk with you that we would be refreshed in our identity as beloved children of the creator of the heavens and the earth and the little brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Bless us this day. Bless us in our time together. Thank you for the meal we're about to experience and for all the hands that prepared it. Thank you for how you take care of us. But now, Lord, as we sing this song, as we sing Amazing Grace, we come and, and commit ourselves to you, to our walk with you and our, our conversations with others about you. We praise and thank you and lift our lives to you in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We are located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.